Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. While Paul Clark has helped many athletes and sports teams to achieve their optimal performance levels, and now he is turning his attention to business owners with Connect Performance. Paul, we'll be discussing your business, Connect Performance, and why performability is an underutilised skill in business. But first, I'd like to get an insight into your own background. Sure. I guess my, my own background is, is quite heavy in terms of sales and business development. So I come from a corporate background with Diageo. And then I've also got the other aspect of my professional career, I guess, from when I dipped into the world of startup and entrepreneurship um, with my sports performance business match fit and then laterally with Connect Performance. And what did you learn from your time in Diageo? learned how to sell property anyway that, that was a start but I think that the big thing really there especially with big premium brands was um, building relationships and maximizing relationships for, for mutual gain um, that was the that was the big thing there so it's slightly different from perhaps selling commodity items where, where you're you know it's massively competitive with, with other people that are selling maybe low price items whereas when you're selling I guess premium brands um, you're really trying to work with people on joint business development plans you know, so that the whole pie is growing, both volume is growing and, and within that then your market share might be growing a little bit as well. And on the topic of B2B, business to business selling, what was your approach to starting that relationship? Quite simple really, listening. You know, you, you, you kind of, I think it goes back to the Stephen Covey thing, Carl, um, where you, you see, you know, you, you understand before you seek to be understood. Um, and that was that would be my, and it still is my approach with even with Connect Performance and with MatchFit, is that you, you really got to see what people are so that I only ever stay a half step ahead of them rather than kind of running along and, and kind of making the relationship almost teacher, pupil or supplier, customer, that the relationship is adult, adult and that it's all about mutual benefit and mutual gain. Um, because I believe anyway, anything else is going to be quite short lived. And I often think that most of the problems for people involved in sales from a B2B perspective are getting their foot in the door in the first place to make that presentation. What about your experience in that area? I think a lot of people can kind of get caught chasing numbers um, and chasing suspects rather than prospects, to coin a phrase. So I think that, that people probably need to, to over-invest in their prospecting and make sure that the people that they're speaking to are quality prospects that are qualified properly because I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of stories, I guess, out there that of people saying, oh, yeah, I have 20 calls this week or whatever it might be, but really of those 20, how many are actually going to deliver or have the potential to deliver? So we can kind of, you know, we can, we can go after, I guess, quantity or we can go after quality. Um, and there should certainly be quality in our quantity, I think spray and pray approach in terms of numbers instead of the quality so when it sure. comes to prospecting what are your keys for prospecting it's really understanding yourself first off and what you're bringing to the party and what you're fixing so what your solution or your product or your service is actually fixing and who that then fits best in terms of the best fit customer and the most profitable type customer and then it's a matter of seeing where those people exist see what space they're in um, and reaching out to them in a, in a professional manner rather than the, the big long-winded email, as you said, the spray and pray kind of approach. I think it's it's really getting targeted, really getting focused and, and kind of going hunting with a rifle as opposed to a shotgun is probably the best way I could put it. How important are tools like LinkedIn today for doing that? Yeah, I think they're um, I think they're really important. I think the, the thing with LinkedIn, it's kind of funny actually, there's a, a, an associate of mine just put up a, a post this morning on LinkedIn about how to kind of leverage LinkedIn better. 
Um, I think LinkedIn is probably a little bit Carl now, like, like like Excel spreadsheets that most people are only really, you know, using 10 or 20% of the functionality. That there's a lot more there going on in the background that we need to understand that can we that we can leverage a lot better in terms of connecting with people. Um, that we just need to maybe you know an hour invested in LinkedIn and understanding it will be would be an hour well an hour well spent. I would say. In the past, guests on this programme have explored the similarities between the world of sport and the business environment. From your experience of both, what characteristics do they share? Yeah, I, I kind of have a saying on this, Carol, I mean, as regards from a connect performance business when I speak to people or I do talks, is that really business performance is human performance. So if you kind of look at the world of sport, we talk about athletes and we, we look at their readiness to perform. We, we look at process. We don't, you know, we, we're obviously aware of the outcome we want, but we're heavily aware that that outcome is, is there's a direct line relationship with that in our preparation. Um, as we take it into the, the, the corporate world, the business world, the startup world, that those waters get a little bit muddied. Um, we don't really kind of look at look at the say our, our frontline people or ourselves indeed at times as, as high performing athletes and leaving ourselves ready to perform and leaving ourselves ready to, to address the processes that we need. And before we discuss Connect Performance, it is not your first foray into consultancy, so talk to us about MatchFit and the results that it achieved. Yeah, MatchFit's a sports performance consultancy, Carl. So I'd work with um, probably, I guess, outside of the very, very top tiers of sports. So, you know, don't get to work with Manchester United or Liverpool. Um, but there's an awful lot of other professional teams, semi-professional teams, um, indeed in the in the, the lesser the lesser popular sports, if you like. So effectively, what I do there is is work with uh, sports clubs and some sports organisations to help them integrate their performance model because they'll have a situation, for example, where they'll have say a physiotherapy department, sports science, strength and conditioning, coaching. They almost they're, they're separated by walls. They're in silos almost. They, they don't integrate. They they don't talk for want of a better phrase. It doesn't mean they don't literally talk, but there's, there's no kind of free swapping and sharing and, and integration. So I tend to help bring that alive through selling them the benefits of 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 what that can look like in the longer term from the point of view of a of an athlete or player driven environment with you know better results and better preparation as as a key part of that process. So why did you believe that there was a gap in the market for Connect Performance? Quite simple, really, Carl. I think it's the, the way that we work with athletes in sport is that, you know, as I said, we, we, we really tend to heavily focus on getting them ready to perform. Um, and then we can kind of step back and, and let them do their thing, if you like. Whereas, and I noticed this with myself as well, you know, it, it, there's a saying that coaches are their own worst coaches. Um, you know, whereas I was maybe you know, coaching athletes and mentoring athletes and sports players, you know, on all the right things to do, think, et cetera, et cetera, that I wasn't necessarily doing them myself. And you find that a lot when you go into the sports environments is that the people within there aren't necessarily, you know, performing, you know, at peak levels themselves, but yet they're coaching people to perform at peak levels. So that transfers very, very well into the, the world of business. So my own kind of research to, you know, talking about my own customers, I mean, 80% of them, Carl, are performing at about 50% of the potential. And that's them telling me that. That's not me telling them or putting words in their mouth. So I think there's a, a direct translation across. Um, and some of, the, some of the work we do in sport translates across in terms of measuring these things as well. And Paul, what is involved in developing a winning mindset? As I would see it, Carl, I think there's, there's a number of kind of bedrock habits 
fundamental bedrock, bedrock habits that I would call to the five S, if you like, that, that leave you in a better place, ready to perform. So I talk to people around these five S as being stress, sleep, sustenance, excuse me, staying active, sustenance, and psychology. Now, no, psychology doesn't begin with an S, but I'm using some poetic license there. So talk me through the process that you bring a client through. Sure, yeah. So what we tend to do is, I said, when we look at these five S, as they're the bedrock habits, what we look at really is, in terms of say something like stress, is actually scientifically measure the individual. So it's even individualized solution rather than the one size fits all. But we look at the, the balance of stress within a day. If we look at sleep, then we look at their sleep quantity and also the quality of recovery and restoration within their sleep to make sure that to see how ready they are the next day to, to face action. Staying active then from the point of view um, of, of, say, business people, entrepreneurs, business leaders, is really looking at the physical physical activity levels and seeing are they adequate. Um, in terms of sustenance then, it's another word for nutrition. Um, I guess we, we would say in the world, the world of sports performance, you, you can't train your way out of a crappy diet. Equally well, it's, it's quite hard for you know, a business owner or business leader to, to perform at, at peak levels when what's going into them by way of nutrition isn't supportive of that. And finally then, the psychology piece is really, you know, it's not delving too deep in, into it, but it's leaving them in a better place around things like self-talk and understanding the importance of that, those, those kind of habits. Give us an insight into the type of clients that you're working with and what the common issues that they encounter are. Sure, yeah. So I'll tend to kind of work with um, entrepreneurs, business owners, particularly kind of startup business owners, micro businesses, small businesses. And the people that kind of come to me would share broadly similar characteristics. They'll feel deflated. They'll feel a bit de-energized. You know, they're somewhat demotivated. Um, things like, you know, important factors like confidence seem to be, you know, they feel it draining away. And on the flip side of it, they say, I've never worked as hard in all my life but it feels like they're spinning their wheels. So they're almost like driving with their foot on the accelerator and brake at the same time. And the, the upshot of that is that what we have is almost like the, the, the golf ball and the garden hose effect, that there's plenty going in one side, but there's not coming out the other side. And therefore, the results are quite haphazard. There's frustration. And, you know, everybody around them is beginning to sense that. So they're, they're quite, I guess, worried about the future and worried about themselves, if you like. And Paul, what advice do you give to your clients about how to solve problems? Get to the root of them. You know, so from the point of view of, of you know, personal peak performance is understanding what's at the root of that. And as I said, as I see it, the five S are a hugely important part of that. And then really addressing those things that are, that are at the root cause of any issues that may exist. That doesn't necessarily mean that things like the, the five S, as I call it, are the, the be all and end all. I mean, there are other elements as well within the business Sometimes they call them, those are three P's, so your, your people, your process, your promotion, that may maybe let you down a little bit as well, and that's, that's another conversation. But in essence, it's, it's, it's looking at people's life and their lifestyle and seeing if that's supportive of peak performance. Um, you know, I think there was, a, there was a, a piece of research, Forbes magazine, about 12, 18 months ago released that upwards of 40% of new startups were failing not because of the business failing or the product failing or not being good enough, but it was effectively the, the owner or owners, the founder or founders, were actually in decline themselves personally and not able to kind of keep driving as hard as they had been. So it's important to help people, I suppose, understand the habits that are going to support, you know, the outcomes that they want and desire. 
And Paul, once your clients do get to the root cause of their problem, what advice do you give them in terms of how to identify the best solution? Yeah, I think I think really for those those people there, when they begin to understand what's at the root of it, then a little bit, we spoke about LinkedIn before, you can cast your net then where the fish actually are. You can go fishing where the fish are and begin to understand who or, or what can lead you towards a, a better future, if you like. Um, so you begin to, I guess, use that, the funnel analogy, you put a lot in at the top, but distill it down, distill it down, distill it down to a place where you begin to understand, yeah, as I said to you, who or what can actually be the very best help for you. A key focus of your work to connect performance is centred around performability rather than capability. What is yeah. performability and how can it be developed? Performability, uh, Carl, as I would see it, is how you function on a daily basis. And it's, it's really your ability to access your capability. So I have a simple equation that I talk to people about. I say performance is equal to capability multiplied by ability. So your ability or how you function on a daily basis, how ready you are to perform, can either be a force multiplier for your capability or it's going to act as a governor for your capability. So let me quickly explain what I mean. If I say to you now, Carl, how do you feel this morning? You say to me something, out of 10, no, five, six out of 10. Okay, that's, that's fair enough. But if you're a very highly capable person, which you are, well, let's say your capability is nine out of 10. Your ability is five out of 10. That's a governor on your capability. You cannot, you cannot outperform your self-perception. It's the exact same thing with an athlete. We see it time and time and time and time again. Um, so really the, the whole thing around performability is upping your ability to access your capability by a focus on your readiness to perform every day or every week. And talk to us about your inner game principles and how they can address the problems of leaked revenue whilst also increasing productivity and performance. Yeah, okay. I mean, the, the inner game um, the inner game stuff, Carl, is quite interesting. It's, I think you can have all your ducks in a row with regard to being ready to perform. But what, what, what are you actually saying to yourself inside? Um, you know, how are you setting yourself up? What's your goal setting like? All of these kind of things. You're understanding a goal setting. So it's, I guess it's the, the, the psychological aspect of the whole piece. Um, I think we see an awful lot of people who are highly capable, highly talented, but are very, very doubtful of themselves. I mean, the, the, the whole imposter syndrome is a huge thing and a very, very real thing. Um, and whilst there's an awful lot written about it, and you know you could be reading for hours about it, it's quite hard for people to access something succinct that can help them, that's individualised towards them. And quite often it's just these, these guys and girls just being heard and being able to express this and get it out there. And then, you know, I think when you play it back to them and give them, you know, some, some little tips and some shortcuts and some hacks that they can use on a daily basis to address this and it leaves them in a place then where, where, their, where their mental game, their inner game, is is um, is with their with their ability to perform. And from your experience, Paul, is imposter syndrome more common in women than men? I think ladies are more open to admit it. That's in my experience. Um, I've nothing empirical to say. That's only experience. But I think um, the ladies I would have worked with would be far more quick to to admit to it and identify it. Um, whereas. The, the guys are a little bit more dismissive of it or are almost, I guess, embarrassed by it, if you like, um, particularly the, the higher up the, the levels we go. So if somebody's, would say, a business owner, they almost think that they can't admit to this, 
that you know they have to be the the all singing, all dancing, all powerful. That and it, you know any any little vulnerability is a weakness, when in actual fact it's not. I mean, being able to to identify it, speak about it, address it, you know, and maybe not overcome it, but certainly outweigh it, is, is actually a huge strength. Same thing as an athlete. That is an interesting insight. I do want to speak to you next about your nine to thrive solution and what type of results it can deliver. Yeah, the nine to thrive solution is the is the name that I put on the approach that I use. So effectively, it's an individualized solution where we look at, as I said, if you take the first three of the three S, um, sleep, stress, staying active, where we scientifically measure um, people's status in each of those uh, via looking at their physiology just through their heart, their heart rate information over a three-day period. And quite quickly, we begin to understand things like their stress balance on a daily basis, their rest and recovery and restoration over a 24-hour period by three days and then their physical activity levels. So the reason for using three days is we, we capture what's going on midweek, um, and also three days tends to be a good window into their overall lifestyle and their, and their lifestyle habits. So what it allows us to do then, Carol, is because we get these, these very objective individualized insights, we're then able to create you know, small actions that help move the needle in terms of improvement in things like stress balance. So we don't want to get rid of stress. Stress is stress. Stress kind of gets a bad rap a lot of the time. So all we want to do is improve people's ability to manage it and balance it. And then we also want to help people um, the quality of their rest and recovery through their, their night's sleep. So that very often that that looks that means addressing what's going on in the maybe two to three hours before bedtime, actually, as opposed to what's going on when they're in bed. Um, so it, it allows us then to be quite objective about it, similar then with the physical activity levels. Are they becoming of, you know, of, an, of a high-performing engine that just doesn't want to be sedentary all the time, that needs to be moving and needs to be exercised? So because we, we look at those things through Nine to Thrive, we're able to, to, to help people empower them, really, um, towards, towards a better place. And finally, Paul, what are your top three tips for business people this morning? Focus on the process of your performance on a daily and weekly basis and really land on a process that, that delivers for you. Develop the ability to ask better questions, um, not just in, to, in, to do with matters of performance, but in general in terms of the overall running of the business, get, get more and more curious. And probably the, the alliances and allegiances um, that we have that we're, I guess, aligning ourselves with, with very clever people who maybe know, who know more about certain, certain matters of business or, or certain factors of performance than we do ourselves. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Paul Clark from Connect Performance. And I'm sure that Paul has shared some nuggets of advice that will be greatly appreciated by business owners across the Southeast. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Southeast.